everybody, it's Drags, Wednesday, December 4th, time for episode 327 of Patriot's Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us, as always, on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS. It is the first week of December, and that means the home stretch in the NFL. I welcome back Evan Lazar covering the Patriots and the NFL for clnsmedia.com. What's up, Evan? How was uh, Thanksgiving? It was really good. I am still full, I think, from uh, last Thursday, but it was a great time. How about yours? Uh, I'm still full as well. Um, <laughs> I need to get out and do some more exercise around this time of the year. I always tell myself uh, after the football season in February, I'm going to hit the gym a little bit more. I think I need to get a head start. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Tell me what you thought of Tom Brady Sunday night in the uh, 28-22 loss to the Texans. I thought Tom Brady was average. Last night, average Tom, which for Tom Brady's standards and for the Patriots standards or even for people in this region standards is probably not good enough. But I would also say that the narratives out there about a big decline that he's having or the fact that he was not good at all last night, I just don't think are true. And I think that it's a lot more about what's going on around Tom Brady than what's going on with Tom Brady. But at the same time, we're so used to Tom Brady playing elite level football the last couple of weeks, certainly. Philadelphia was one of those outlier, very bad games that he has every once in a while. He's due for a stinker, even the great ones are. The last two weeks against Dallas and against Houston, I thought that he was fine. Not great, but fine. And unfortunately for the Patriots, it's turning out, especially against good teams like Houston, that fine or average or whatever term you want to use is just not good enough with the current personnel that they have on offense. They need him to be better. Yeah, and I think, uh, to your point, and I know you tweeted this out on Monday evening, the expected completion ratio for Tom Brady is lower this year, significantly so, uh, than it was last year. And that, for those paying close attention, is the biggest indicator that Brady is having trouble with the weapons around him. Yeah, and certainly, you know, this is one of those fancy next-gen stats that is certainly still a work in progress, I would say, in terms of how they use their algorithm. But at the same time, it does back up the eye test of it's been tougher on Brady due to a lack of talent around him. And I would also say that it is kind of indicative of how the scheme has turned out as well for the Patriots. And just for kind of some, uh, you know, uh, context here is the word I'm looking for. Drew Brees currently leads the league in the expected completion percentage stat at almost 69% expected completion percentage. His overall completion percentage is over 70. I think that Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, and then the other New Orleans quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, rounds out your top five. That passes the eye test, if you ask me, for some of the best play callers, some of the best schemers in the NFL. So to see Brady all the way down there at 20th this season and four completion percentage points short of what he was last year, I think that tells you a lot about the coaching. It tells you a lot about the receivers. And this stat factors in receiver separation at the time to throw. So how much separation does a receiver have when Brady's unloading the pass? Right now, he is below average in terms of what he would be expected to complete in any of those situations that he's throwing the football currently. You know, I think a lot of fans watching the games wonder, why can't Brady just throw it to a general area and have those young receivers go up and get it all the time? 
Right. And I, I believe that there could be more of that in this offense. Like certainly for Nikhil Harry, like what we saw against Dallas on the touchdown pass that he threw, he's the type of receiver that every once in a while you do just need to throw the ball up there. But at the same time, and I know Patriots fans are going to say, well, it can't be worse than it is right now. The jump ball or the 50-50 ball is really not, even with a guy like Nikhil Harry, a true 50-50 ball. You know, look at fades, look at back shoulders, and look at the expected completion percentage on those types of throws. We're talking about 35 40% maybe if you have a really good contested catch receiver that in terms of completion rate on those types of passes. So it's going to be a low probability that they are going to catch those balls on a consistent basis. The Patriots offense has always been about timing, right? Timing, precision route running, being on the same page as the quarterback, certainly option routes based on the coverage, you know, going in instead of out or going away from the coverage or reading leverages, things like that have always been a big part of the Patriots offense. And right now what we're seeing and it's not just the young guys. I think it's easy to throw Sanu, or excuse me, throw Harry and Myers under the bus. But I also think that Sanu and even Philip Dorsett, Dan Orlovsky, former Lions quarterback, had a great breakdown on Twitter last night of Brady giving Philip Dorsett a hand signal and Philip Dorsett not picking up on the hand signal and running the wrong route and Brady expecting him to run a different route. So Philip Dorsett's in year three of this system already and he should know the hand signals, right? I mean, this is not... Absolutely. Right. This isn't so much about, you know, training camp and OTAs and all this kind of stuff that other people might want to make it out to be. These are simple things, right? These are simple things of, like, knowing where the sticks are on third down, knowing the hand signals that Brady is giving to you, knowing what your audibles are, knowing what your checks are. These are things that college players should know at a high level about their offense and about their system in a just short period of time. Jacoby Myers is no longer a rookie. He's in 12, 13 games into his rookie season at this point, 12 games. He's no longer a rookie, right? We're, we're past that point of that point of that learning curve. He needs to be up to speed. There was a play last night where Brady kind of rolled to his right a little bit, stepped up in the pocket more so than rolled. And he expected Jacoby Myers, it was an off script play. And he pointed down the field to Jacoby Myers, like head downfield. I'm going to try to hit you. I do along remember the that. Sideline. And Jacoby took a few steps up the field and then he cut back towards the quarterback and the ball sailed over his head out of bounds. And if you look at the sideline, if you watch the broadcast again and you look at the sideline, Josh McDaniels, Troy Brown and Dante Scarnecchia are standing right in the purview of the camera. You can see the three of them on the sideline and the look of disgust on their faces when that ball sails over Jacoby Myers' head. It really said it all. Troy Brown almost fell to his knees in disgust. And it just, the fact of the matter is, is that all of these receivers right now, the execution and the timing is just not there. And whether it's Brady, whatever he has to blame, whether his O-line has to blame, whether the coaching has to blame, if you have 11 guys that can execute in t- at a high level and really be able to time things out at a high level, then it doesn't matter what play calls you really call at the end of the day. You know, players over scheme every day of the week, and right now they need the players to execute better and play better. I'm going to read you a quote from Bill Belichick's Monday conference call. The more confidence and the more experience you have doing something, you can be more aggressive with it. It's the 12th regular season game, so it's not really the first time at bat here anymore. So we just have to do a better job, that's all. You know, win games like this against good teams on the road, we've just got to play better. Look, 
Belichick was, you know, pretty short and pretty quiet, you know, when he came back from Houston, you know, not getting much sleep and having this conference call. That singular quote to me, Evan, says, speaks volumes. Yeah, absolutely. He's 100% right. You know, we can talk about Nikhil Harry being a young player. This is only his third game. He kind of has a little bit more leeway. But a guy like Jacoby Myers, like I was saying, this is game number 12. We're heading on game number 13. You're no longer a rookie at that point. Philip Dorsett, you've been in this organization, in this system for three seasons. You should know the little things. You should know the details and the nuances of the offense at this point. Mohamed Sanu hasn't been around forever, obviously. He is a midseason acquisition. But he's a veteran receiver with some savvy to him, with a good football IQ. So he should be able to understand and pick up things quickly. And for whatever reason, it just isn't gelling right now. And they had everybody healthy last night. They had all their receivers healthy, all their backs Isaiah Wynn was playing left tackle. They had the entire gamut of weapons at Tom Brady's disposal. And until the fourth quarter when Houston stopped playing defense, they couldn't really do anything or get anything going on offense last night. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, when you see, and I tweeted this out Sunday night, when you see Philip Dorsett and uh, Mohamed Sanu return from injury and be active, the bells go off, and I'm like, well, obviously they think that they're going to be able to attack this Houston secondary. And they, they, for whatever reason, just didn't. And I guess they weren't on the same page, but I think some of it has to do with scheme as well. Yeah, so it was a great game plan by Houston and Romeo Cornell, which isn't shocking, obviously. I think that Cornell's always had some decent plans against the Patriots, and it's taken Brady a little while in all the games that they've played Houston, especially some of those playoff games. The playoff game was at 2016, I believe it was, in the divisional round, or maybe it was one of those years, in the divisional round where if Patriots weren't playing Brock Osweiler, that game would have been a lot closer. I think Osweiler had three picks in that game and really kind of spaced the game out a little bit, but the offense didn't look that great. Now, Houston's always had better players at their disposal, like Clowney and J.J. Watt that didn't play last night. But basically, the plan for Houston, they came into the game playing more zone coverage than just about any team in the league. I think the Patriots expected to see a lot more zone, and a big reason why was because the Texans' secondary is in shambles. They don't have a ton of talent in the back end. So when you don't have a ton of talent, you don't have the horses or the personnel to play man coverage, you usually rely on more on zone coverage and just kind of keep everybody in front of you, limit big plays and tackle. Last night they played a ton of man coverage and they basically doubled Edelman out of the game and they put their number two corner, Vernon Hargraves, on Edelman and they doubled Edelman out for a long stretches of this game. Certainly he did get going and found some spots and picked his you know spots in, in certain spots. James White then got Bradley Roby, who's their, actually their number one corner. And right. they put James White, Bradley Roby one on one. And then when they got in the red zone, they actually doubled James White and Julian Edelman both in the red zone. And they said to Tom Brady, you're going to have to beat us throwing to Philip Dorsett, Mohamed Sanu, Nikhil Harry, and Jacoby Myers in the tight ends. And if you can't do it, then you're not going to score any points on us. And that's exactly what happened for the most part through three quarters was that there was nobody else besides those two guys with the scheme dictating that they couldn't throw the ball to James White and Julian Edelman until the fourth quarter, at least. There was nobody else that was winning one-on-one coverage. On the flip side, it's interesting because you kind of have a foil here. On the flip side, the Patriots doubled DeAndre Hopkins for most of the game, and the Texans' other skill players – 
Kenny Stills, Duke Johnson out of the backfield. Those guys were able to beat the Patriots, right? So they, it, it was one kind of team that has depth at receiver, that has a lot of talent at pass catcher versus a team that doesn't. And they doubled the number one guy on both sides, and one side was able to put up points and the other wasn't. Speaking with Evan Lazar, follow him on Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. December football is finally here, and BetOnline.ag wants to celebrate it with you during the massive schedule of college and pro football weekends on top uh, this weekend. Follow the action at BetOnline.ag. It's conference championship weekend in the college game, and the pro schedule is just as packed as well in week 14. So before the week starts, head on over to BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and check out the thousands of ways to bet today. Use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts back with evan lazar evan how frustrated do you think brady is with the front office belichick and casario not doing more to help uh, with the instability at the wide receiver position I, I just get the sense that it's been a very challenging year for him in terms of dealing with the comings and goings yeah absolutely i think that with the pass catchers in particular if you're Tom Brady, you do feel like you have to look at it and say, well, we had Rob Gronkowski, he retired, and our replacements for Gronk, the, what we did in the wake of that was draft a rookie in Nikhil Harry that isn't ready to play and, and sign Ben Watson to pull him out of retirement to bring him back. Matt Lacoste, who had, I think, 400 receiving yards, maybe less in his career before he got here, and Ryan Izzo, who is a seventh-round pick, who's barely played since that concussion and is basically being redshirted at this point for a second straight year. So I think that there has certainly got to be some sort of frustration. But I actually think that the personnel that they have currently is good enough within the scheme with the coaching that they do have and with Brady and certainly with Edelman still here that they can put up points and move the ball better than they have. The difference is, though, is that because they don't have an overwhelming amount of talent, because they don't have a Gronk or an Antonio Brown to go next to Julian Edelman and kind of be that second fiddle, they need to execute the details. They need to be a team that's smarter than everybody else, that pays attention to the little things and does those little things at a high level. You can't be running the wrong routes. You can't not be on the same page. You can't drop balls on fourth down. You know, you can't make those little mistakes when you are kind of, your margin of error is kind of shrunk because you don't have all pro receivers running all over the field. So I think that that's the biggest difference right now for me. It's not so much talent level. It's not so much Brady's decline. Those things will get talked about on, you know, the national narratives and stuff like that. But I really think the biggest thing is, is that the guys that they do have, if all of those guys can get on the same page, if they can all execute at a higher level in terms of the details and just run the routes at a good pace with good precision of what they're being asked to do. Nobody's asking them to go out. Nobody's asking Jacoby Myers to go out there and be Antonio Brown. Just like nobody's asking Nikhil Harry to go out there and be Gronk. Just be yourselves and do it at a higher level than what you're currently doing. And I think they'll be all right. But the question is, is, I think the bigger question, overlying question to that, is just can they play better? 
right? Like, like, can they actually get this group to play any better than what they're playing right now? That's where the talent question kind of comes into play is do they even have the talent within themselves to play better? I think that they do. And it's just a matter of time, hopefully until they start to figure some of these things out. But I think the most important thing moving forward now for the Patriots is finding a group of 11 guys that can do it all together, right? Whoever it is, whether it's the rookies, whether it's Sanu, whether it's all going, all veterans, all rookies, whatever the case may be, putting multiple backs on the field for going the tight end position altogether in a lot of stretches. They need to find 11 guys, five pass catchers that can work in continuity with Brady and execute at a higher level, especially against these good teams. All right, we've ripped up uh, Tom Brady enough. All right, let's move to the other side of the ball. And I want to get from you an understanding or a feeling or a sense of whether or not you think the Texans exposed something in their ability to isolate Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower uh, in pass coverage. And we saw that on the Duke touchdown early, Duke Johnson touchdown early in that game Sunday night. Um, to me, that is the kryptonite of this Patriots defense. Yeah, and I think that it's the kryptonite to a lot of defenses in the league. If you just look at running back targets versus linebackers, Throughout the course of the entire league, not a lot of linebackers can keep up with backs in the passing game. That that's a mismatch for a lot of teams. So I I, I agree that that's a weakness in the Patriots defense. But I do want to point out that really across the league there aren't a ton of linebackers that can cover guys like Duke Johnson and James White. That's what makes those guys valuable. Absolutely. So, on, in some respects, there's that. On the other hand, I think the biggest thing that happened on Sunday night for the Patriots defense was that Bill O'Brien realized that the Patriots and Bill Belichick were not going to let DeAndre Hopkins beat them. He was going to be the vocal point of the game plan as he should be. And they invested, the Patriots did two of their best coverage players on Hopkins. Maybe their two best coverage players in Stephon Gilmore and Devin McCourty to double covered Hopkins on a ton of plays on last night. And Deron Harmon was involved a little bit as well, too. So when you put your two top cover guys in the secondary on one guy, that's going to leave some vulnerabilities elsewhere. And instead of just trying to force the ball to Hopkins because he's his guy, Deshaun Watson, to his credit, spread the ball around. And Bill O'Brien, to his credit, was able to get some scheme situations where he could get those one-on-one matchups elsewhere. Because remember, the Patriots are playing five guys in coverage or six guys in coverage, if two of them are doubling somebody, that means everybody else on the field is one-on-one without any safety help. So you look at the Kenny Stills touchdown, they have Deron Harmon and Gilmore bracketing Hopkins on the right side of the field, which left Stills and John Jones one-on-one all by themselves on the left side of the field, and Deshaun took a shot, and to Stills' credit and Deshaun's credit, they made the play. On the Duke Johnson play, same thing. Devin McCourty comes around, comes down. He doubles Hopkins with Stephon Gilmore. That leaves Kyle Van Noy on his side of the field with no help whatsoever, one-on-one against a really good pass-catching back in Duke Johnson, and the Texans made the play, right? Duke Johnson makes the play. He runs in for the touchdown, and that's all she wrote. So the Texans, to their credit, realize that Bill Belichick, because that's his MO, he's going to take away your best weapon offensively and make you play left-handed this goes all the way back to that Giants Bill Super Bowl right when he took out Thurman Thomas and they had to go to elsewhere when the Bills had to go elsewhere that game plans in the uh in, in the uh, Hall of Fame I believe and 
this is a similar situation where they took Hopkins out of the game. Hopkins had a modest day for his standards, but all the other guys stepped up and they won their one-on-one matchups. And at the end of the day, I do think you do kind of have to tip your cap and just hope that your guys win more consistently going, going forward. Like, I, I don't know if the Patriots really could have expected Jonathan Jones, for example, to give up the plays that he gave up last night. I think that he's been pretty consistently great all year long. And if you have Jonathan Jones against Kenny Stills, you like your chances in that matchup. And last night, it just didn't go their way. With the linebackers, it was a great scheme in a lot of situations. The second touchdown that they scored was on Hightower, and they had a kind of a triple option type play where they put Deshaun in the backfield in a full house formation. He had three guys with him in the backfield, and they faked kind of a zone read, and they leaked the tight end out, and Hightower bit really hard on the zone read, and the tight end just kind of snuck behind him and walked in for the touchdown. So some good scheme by the Texans, but I think overall it was a kind of a mindset by Houston of they're going to take Hopkins away, and we're okay with that because we have Stills, we have Fuller, we have the tight ends, we have the backs, and we're going to run the offense through them and say, okay, Bill, if you're going to take him away, that's fine. Go right ahead because we got all these other guys that can beat you instead. Chatting up. Evan Lazar, follow him on Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. Evan does an amazing job, as you can tell, but if you've been listening the last five minutes of uh, covering the NFL and breaking it all down, breaking down the schemes and the techniques of the Patriots. Do you want to be able to watch every single NFL game for the rest of the season, no matter where you live or what team you root for? This season, there's a proven way to watch every football game live for a fraction of the price of DirecTV or NFL Sunday Ticket. It's called ExpressVPN. Here's how it works. Use ExpressVPN to buy the International Game Pass. ExpressVPN lets you spoof your location so you can buy the International Game Pass for just $125 and stream all of the games. For instance, if you live in New England, but root for the Bengals. I don't know why you would, but just let's say you do. And, and stream all of their games. ExpressVPN comes with apps for computers, mobile, and digital media players like Fire TV. Plus, Evan, you can use ExpressVPN every time you go online to keep all of your network data encrypted, secure, and safe from hackers. Big deal in this day and age, obviously. ExpressVPN is the fastest VPN I've ever tried, costs less than $7 a month, and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Enjoy every game of the remainder of the 2019 NFL season with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash beat. That's expressvpn.com slash B-E-A-T for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash B-E-A-T to learn more. Back with Evan Lazar. Okay, so we saw what the Texans did. We're always looking forward. All right, and that's what we that's what Bill Belichick does. That's what every coach in the NFL does. If you're Andy Reid, an offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, and you know where I'm going with this, and you just saw what the uh, Texans were able to do in isolation, uh, some of the linebacker isolating some of the linebackers for the Patriots, and your quarterback had success last year on the second half of the regular season game and second half in the AFC Championship. Why? Don't the Chiefs 
just try to do the same with Damian Williams. Yeah, I think they probably will. And the interesting thing about that matchup last year with the Chiefs was that the coverage that the Patriots are using on DeAndre Hopkins is a really simple coverage call. It's just called one double, and then you put the guy's number, right? So for DeAndre Hopkins and Tyree Kill, it's the same number, one double number 10, right? So it's pretty easy. Last year in the AFC Championship game, the Patriots one double number 10, Tyree Kill, for basically the entire game. They played 85% man coverage in that game. And they put Jonathan Jones and Devin McCourty in bracket coverage on Hill, and they just shadowed that guy all over the field, and they were able to take him out. That left one-on-one for Sammy Watkins and some of the other weapons that uh, Kansas City had at that point. So I would expect to see a similar kind of gameplay, a similar kind of game script unfold here uh, next Sunday. And the biggest thing for the Patriots was in that second half, certainly, and some of them, as Bill Belichick will tell you, were illegal picks. But they went into this halftime, Kansas City did. They realized the Patriots were going to be stuck in their man coverage for the entire game. So they ran a ton of crossing patterns, a ton of pick plays, and especially pick plays with the running backs coming out of the backfield. And they got some walk-in scores and some big yardage out of those plays. So that's what Andy Reid's kind of foil to it was, was exactly what you're saying. Get the linebackers in moving into space, get some pick routes against man coverage, and throw the ball to the backs out of the backfield. That's what got that Kansas City offense really going last year in the AFC title game in the fourth quarter because they had taken Hill completely out of the game. J.C. Jackson and Gilmore did a decent job on Travis Kelsey, and Sammy Watkins had a big game, but it was really just Watkins one-on-one against Gilmore for a lot of the game that he just had a few big catches there. But there is one guy, you know, just to preview the Chiefs a little bit here, there is one new guy in the fold here for Kansas City, and that's McCole Hardman who I absolutely loved in the draft, is an extremely versatile player, but he can run maybe just as fast as Tyree Kill. He oh, is a flat-out burner, like a 4-2-40 type guy. We're talking about some real real speed here. So that is going to be an interesting kind of development here. The Patriots will obviously probably pay most of their attention to Tyree Hill, as they should, but do they have another really fast guy? They only have one Jonathan Jones. They can't duplicate him before Sunday, I don't think. So do they have another really fast guy that they feel comfortable sticking on McCole Hardman in man coverage? Because otherwise, now you kind of have... Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill light and McCole Hardman was drafted not only to just add some explosiveness to this receiving core but also because they weren't sure what was going to happen with Tyreek Hill with all the off-field stuff so he was drafted as a de facto replacement for Tyreek Hill and he's got a very similar skill set and he's also the kick returner yeah, he is absolutely blazer. I mean, he's a great, great player already as a rookie, a great prospect. He's not necessarily your traditional route runner, right? He's not a, a big-time guy that's going to kind of just get open with separation with great route breaks and releases at the line of scrimmage. He's not a technician, but he's a really, really, really fast runner. They use him a lot on jet sweeps and other kind of more motions out of the backfield where they'll pitch it to him or hand it off to him or just use him as a dummy motion coming across just to pull the defense in one direction and they obviously use him over the top also speaking with evan lazar covering the patriots for clns just about every man over the age of 25 has experienced some sort of erectile dysfunction issue and for some it's more than just occasional guys now you can avoid the time and the embarrassment of going to the doctor and get ed drugs like viagra or cialis just by calling healthy male 
That's HealthyMail.com. It has been around helping men discreetly for over 20 years and have prescribed almost 3 million prescriptions online. That's an amazing number. There's no need to visit your local gas station and buy some phony snake oil treatment that has zero chance of making any difference. Most orders are shipped in a day with discreet packaging right to wherever you are, home, office, hotel, vacation destination, or even FedEx pickup location. And the best part, unlike most companies online, there is no subscription service that you have to cancel. HealthyMail.com will only ship your pills when you order them and will never automatically charge your card monthly. Right now, Healthy Mail is offering to my listeners, Patriots Beat listeners, you loyal people out there, 20 pills for $49, and that includes a doctor's prescription and free shipping. Order online at www.healthymail.com or just call 1-877-4-VIAGRA. 1-877, the number 4, V-I-A-G-R-A. And be sure to mention my offer code, BEAT, B-E-A-T, to get the 20 pills for $49. Requests for medication are not guaranteed and must be approved by a U.S. licensed physician. So call 1-877-4-V-I-A-G-R-A to see if you are eligible and avoid the doctor visits for your ED once and for all. And be sure to mention my offer code, B-E-A-T. Andy Reid against Bill Belichick. you think that's where it's headed in the AFC uh, playoffs again? I don't. I, I actually think Baltimore is probably the best team in the AFC right now. And I don't doubt Mahomes or Brady. I think that that's a very big pull. But until the league either figures out Lamar, and maybe they might never figure out Lamar the way that it's going right now, but at least until they figure out a way to slow down that Baltimore offense and and mitigate some of it. It's kind of like the Chiefs last year, right? The Patriots defense knew that they probably weren't going to shut them out or, you know, hold them to 10 points or something like that, but they made them earn every single yard in the title game and even in the matchup here during the regular season. Until a defense figures out how to do that against Lamar and kind of puts a blueprint out there I think it's going to be really tough sledding because it's just so unique there's really no way to prepare for it in games for the 49ers came the closest right obviously that they were pretty good against them on Sunday but it was also in a rainstorm and and I think that that had something to do with it but overall there's really no great way to prepare for a player like that or an offense or a scheme like that because it is so unique so until the league kind of catches up to it a little bit I I still think Baltimore is probably the biggest uh, the toughest test for the Patriots now. I'm glad you brought that up because what did the L.A. Chargers do to get out of Baltimore last year? Now, granted, I get it. Lamar Jackson um, was He's grown a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he has grown a lot. But what's the yeah. biggest difference between that Charger game plan in the playoffs to what teams uh, would do in the playoffs against him this year? Well, so last year the Chargers played a lot of quarters, and I'm not talking about quarters coverage, I'm talking about a quarters package, seven defensive backs on the field. The big reason why they went seven DBs was because they were really shorthanded at linebacker. They had a bunch of injuries at linebacker, and instead of just playing third, fourth, fifth string backers, they decided to put their 
safeties in the box and play them at linebackers, similar way to how the Patriots would use like a Patrick Chung or a Terrence Brooks uh, nowadays. So that's the way that they went about it. They put a ton of speed on the field. Now there was one player that was kind of the focal point of everything that they did, and that was Derwin James. The ability of Derwin James, because he is such a physical safety and a big, big player, to be able to play on the edge was crucial to that entire game plan. I don't know if the Patriots necessarily have a player like that. I thought Chung's not it. Chung's just not as big as Derwin. Derwin's a really big, sturdy guy that can hold up on the edge and play on the strong side of a formation and actually take on a double team from a tight end and a tackle. I don't know if Chung is that guy. The guy I thought they were going to put out there in the first matchup was Jamie Collins because he's really the closest thing that they have to that of a combination of athlete and play strength. Maybe they try that again this time around or the second time around if, if we're lucky enough to see that matchup. But the seven DBs worked against Lamar then because he wasn't as good of a passer and a lot of it was about running the ball and they were able to just outrun Baltimore to all their spots instead of taking them head on. When the Patriots played them in week nine, the most surprising part of the game plan, I think, for me was that they went extremely heavy up front. They had some packages where they had eight guys in the box that were all defensive linemen and linebackers. They were only playing three defensive backs. And I was really surprised to see them try to go force on force with Baltimore. Baltimore has an extremely big offensive line, very physical run blocking first offensive line. And they obviously have all those tight ends as well. And then Lamar is a really fast runner. So when he gets into space against linebackers, it's just game over. So I was really surprised to see the Patriots go that route. Maybe the next time around they do try more of the Chargers strategy and go a little bit lighter and try to just outrun Baltimore to everything. I don't know if it will work, but the way that that scheme comes at you, it is a downhill power running game. Whether you want to think so or not, that is working in the NFL very, very well right now. And it, yeah, it's old school. Yeah, it's going back a ways to like the veer and the wing tee and stuff like that. But it's sustainable, I think, at least for the season until teams really start to study up on the film and figure out ways to stop it and have a full off season. You know, a lot of NFL teams now with this Lamar offense, especially teams in the AFC and the AFC North or teams like the Patriots that are going to probably play them in the playoffs. They're going to have to allocate some time in the offseason now in their offseason programs, OTAs, training camp, especially 20 to 30 minutes of practice session, maybe, maybe less, maybe 10 minutes of practice session to stopping option football, to stopping zone reads, to stopping RPOs, to stopping all that kind of stuff that Baltimore throws at you because it's not going anywhere. Right, We see the college game, and it's just going to keep on coming up. They're, those guys are going to keep on coming up the ranks, and a lot of the players in college do a lot of the similar things, and they're going to be in the league soon. You have Lamar doing it. You have some of the other guys that are leading the league right now in a lot of passing categories doing similar things but not quite going all in like Baltimore did. It's not going anywhere, and teams are going to have to adapt to it. What do you think happens on Sunday afternoon between the Patriots and Chiefs? It's a really tough one because the Chiefs defense played some really competitive man coverage against Oakland last week in that blowout. For the first time probably all season, I saw that Chiefs defense be able to hold up in their secondary. Against a passing attack in Oakland, that's been pretty good. We mentioned Derek Carr's name off the top of the show with the expected completion percentage stat. And John Gruden's actually done a really good job of scheming open receivers and has that offense, maybe not explosive, but in terms of efficiency, playing pretty well. And I don't know if the Patriots right now 
have the offensive continuity and all the things that we talked about to play competitively against those types of man coverages. They certainly didn't against Houston. So that's going to be kind of the question mark, I think. I think the Patriots have given Patrick Mahomes some problems in the past. He's grown a little bit with his decision-making and ability pre-snap to diagnose pressures. But I think the Patriots still have the upper hand in the mind game with Patrick Mahomes there. It's really going to just come down to, like it always does, just man-on-man, whose guys win and whose guys lose. I think it's going to be a close game again. I don't expect a blowout by any means for either team, but I think that the Patriots are going to have a tough time winning this game. I honestly do. Um, and I really think that being at home is probably their biggest advantage other than maybe uh, some matchup question marks, I would say, in terms of Mahomes being able to handle what Belichick throws at him. So i got to tell you something as we wrap it up here. Um, Patriots need to win this game for one big reason, I think. They need to beat a division leader. Yeah. Coming down the stretch, coming down this gauntlet of games, you know, the five games that everybody pointed to uh, back at, actually at the start of the season. I tweeted this out Sunday night. They're 0-2 against the two division leaders that they've gone up against, namely the Ravens and, of course, now the Texans. And the third <laughs> division leader are the Chiefs. And you got them on the home turf. I think the Patriots need to, for their own confidence, and I know they're a six, Tom Brady's got six Super Bowl rings. I get it. He's not lacking of confidence per se, but this particular group needs to get their swagger back. And I think a good dominating win over the Chiefs, or at least a good solid performance would go a long way in terms of, uh, garnering some of that as they, uh, head down the home stretch. I, everybody, including myself, has pointed out the fact they were nine and five last year, found their rhythm in their last two games and finished eleven and five and ran the table. I don't think you necessarily can expect that same formula to work this year. Well the biggest difference is and I talk to Alex Barth about this all the time Last year, I had the confidence that the offense would figure out some way to move the football because they had Rob Gronkowski. Right, I, They had a guy in Rob Gronkowski that could go along with Julian Edelman that could make those big plays in those big moments. So, no, Gronk was not this dominant player for four quarters like he had been his entire career. But obviously he was key in the blocking game and the running game. But more importantly, in that AFC Championship game in the Super Bowl, when they needed a big play from somebody not named Edelman, they had Gronkowski to turn to. I don't know if they have that guy right now yet. Now, maybe one of their guys steps up and develops into that role. But if it's third and 10, like it was in those overtimes against Kansas City, and they need a play, and they're doubling Julian Edelman out of the game, what's the next guy on pecking It's got to be James White. If you're asking me, the big mystery of this season, and, you know, I guess you have brought this up before, is maybe they're protecting James White. Yeah. I think they might be protecting him. I think that last night we certainly saw the Texans scheme and game plan heavily for James White, putting Bradley Roby on him in a lot of third down situations, doubling him in the red zone, and really until the fourth quarter, making it difficult for him to beat them along with Edelman. But at some point in time, maybe it is James White, maybe it's Nikhil Harry, maybe maybe it's somebody else. I, I don't know, but 
Last year they had two guys along with Brady with a great offensive line and running game that I could say they could throw the ball in any big third down and any big gotta have it spot to either Edelman or Gronk and one of those guys I can count on making a play. Outside of Edelman, I just don't know right now who that one guy is that can step up because teams are just going to continue to double Edelman in every big situation. And maybe he'll just beat the double team like he did a few times last night, but it's going to be difficult to do that consistently enough to win a Super Bowl. Phenomenal stuff, Evan. Look forward to covering the game with you, Alex, and Sierra this Sunday. It definitely should be. Uh, yeah. A great one. Want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast and thank our terrific guest as always, Evan Lazar. Follow him on Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. Also want to thank our great sponsors, betonline.ag, ExpressVPN, and Healthy Mail. For producer Michael Angi and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcasts or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.